you know, one thing I'm going to probably piss off some of your listeners. Will um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it. When, when I started parkour, it was cool because it was a kind of, it was, I feel like it was like this liminal cultural space where the, the salience of your identity as a parkour practitioner was so high that it helped like hide all the differences. And it made it like, you were so, it was so cool to meet somebody else who did parkour that you could like mm. forgive them for not being aligned with you politically. Mm. And then it, and then it was like, because it created that really strong sense of common identity, you could start talking across these ideological lines. So I remember early on, like we had, you know, like, like back in the back in the early aughts um people were still really big on the like creation versus like intelligent design oh, versus yeah. evolution debate right and i remember like getting into that debate with people who came in the parkour community and it was totally different than having that debate with anybody outside of the community because it was like we cared about each other because we were all parkour athletes uh. and so there was the sense that like parkour was a safe space from political polarization and what I've noticed is that like, it, it feels to me and maybe this is kind of like specific to the West Coast, but it feels like the, the mainstream of the parkour community has become very woke and they've become very, very intolerant of anything that is not right. It's, it's like, um, you have to be, you have to say straight your pronouns, you have to say latinks, you have to like, you have to send all these signals of having this specific political ideology. And that's, that feels like it's socially enforced. Mm. That's been my sense of it. And then, but then on the other side, like there's this whole group of people who are quietly like really into Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I remember going to see a Jordan Peterson thing in like 2016 and there were like seven parkour guys who had no idea were into Jordan Peterson who were there right oh, wow. we just saw each other in line we're like oh okay <laughs> um the secret the yeah that's so funny right and and obviously like peterson's an interesting character because he's like i've been listening to his 2017 lectures recently and they're they're amazing like they're so good like he's legitimately a superstar intellectual and he's put together a lot of incredibly important ideas like bringing young in line like like getting young in 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 um in dialogue with trying to solve like how does young connect to like good the best that we know of like modern neurobiology and like mm. the development of neurobiology and the developmental psychology from piaget like these are really important connections and he was super legit and he's also like intellectuals are often trained to not speak with emotion and Peterson has this real power to connect to the pathos in rhetoric and to move people. But there's this element of him that's attracted to the culture war and that ends up like, like tilting at windmills within the culture war, which is, which has its own attraction too. So it's like, if you're a little bit like peeved about the, the intensity of the political ideology, it's like, he's that great person to go grab onto mm -hmm. to be like yeah like <laughs> screw the work right <laughs> yeah um which i think ultimately i i think mostly that's not really helping um that's my my perspective on that i guess has evolved a lot in the last few years but mm -hmm. i don't think that element of his character is really 
adding a lot of value. Like, I think it's important to have people who can say, Hey, the emperor has no clothes, Mm -hmm. but there's a certain point at which you got to like move on and just make things happen and fix things and stop, stop whining about the emperor's lack of clothes. Yeah. No, I feel you big time. I think one of the things that I learned when I sort of failed at becoming whatever I thought I was going to become, you know, I've, I've succeeded and failed at the same time in a weird way. Um, on many levels like so i sort of did many of the things i set out to do in parkour except my life didn't like have the character of like it wasn't just all right now i'm on cruise control or whatever i thought i was going to happen that um i was just going to become some kind of perpetual parkour athlete you know you know star of some sort and failing at that also helped me realize that <clears throat> not instantly over the course of like years of kind of dealing with, with um, sort of the repercussions of having to make a pivot, realize that that success would have trapped me in a weird way. It would have mm-hmm. kept me stuck in, cause it was working. I had a formula going and sort yeah. of, you know, this is sort of a young man's uh, I think rite of passage and in, in to a degree. Cause I think, a lot of, I don't know if it's a male characteristic, but I feel like it, it might be a masculine characteristic to like want to like create something and solve it and make it. All right. I finished, I finished life. <laughs> like I, I yeah, created yeah. the formula. I created, I kind of thought, I thought of the perfect formula. And so I was like, Oh, if I just do this, this, and this, I'll just be so happy and it'll just keep exponentially compounding. And I thought that yeah. that could go on forever. And when it didn't, I realized that I would have stayed stuck in there because I was getting a certain amount of return on my investment in a parkour for so long that I thought I could literally just ride it out until the end of my days. But I was, what I didn't realize was that I was at simultaneously not developing myself across many other different disciplines and dimensions. And all this to say, because Peterson has become so successful, I wonder if that has somewhat stunted his growth in the same way. Like I, I wonder if some success in a way, if you sort of engage with it, it almost in, invariably stunts your growth because once you have an identity or, or a, a value or a machine behind what you, what, what people are resonating with, you're stuck there being that yeah. character for so long. And yeah, I agree that I think Peterson and Joe Rogan's kind of like a new um, version of this. I would say even, you know, uh, these are people that I, I think Joe first and then Peterson probably for me. And now, you know, I'm on to saw guru and I went on to different people that I looked, looked to, to learn things from, but mm-hmm. I can see why people are upset with some of these characters for their lack of development, but they also sometimes are missing. I would say the idea of like, well, yeah, they might be an excuse for someone to be kind of shitty and, you know, mm-hmm. complain continuously about things that don't, they're not helping with anymore. But at the same time, they are helping that person that was like me actually take it to the next level and evolve. And, and there's a place for me to engage with these new ideas. So I hope I'm making I mean, sense. I think we have basically, to recognize yeah. that intellectuals are humans, yeah. right? Yeah. And they have like, they have, like you could be an extraordinarily productive and really, really valuable intellectual in one area mm. and total fuck up in another, right? Heidegger is one of the most important philosophers that we have. He supported the Nazis. Right. Um, if you've heard of the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, that's a huge book that has this massive impact on people. Well, that book was actually 
based on another book called Zen and the Art of Archery, which is really one of the most important books that introduced the idea of Zen to the West. Mm. And that was written by a guy named Eugene Harajal. That book was introduced to me by Tom Wexler, who's Israeli, right? But Eugene Harajal went from Japan studying Zen to Nazi Germany and became a Nazi soldier, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> All, all the good intellectuals are Nazis. That's not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that we, it's, it's a difficult thing. Like I was actually just talking to uh, another guy in the parkour community about this idea of like, how do we separate out people and the value that they offer versus like the, the damaging aspects of their character? Cause we all mm -hmm. like, we all have flaws. Totally. But the other thing that I think people really don't realize about intellectuals is that intellectual production is like physical production it's like you don't you don't like look at david bell and be like oh man he's a piece of crap because he can't jump that uh, jump london gap again right yeah yeah, it's like, yeah no like you're like yeah he was 27 now he's 47 <laughs> like of course of course he's not going to go back and do that jump right it's the same thing like most intellectuals peak in their their production in their 30s and 40s and then they're not going to continue to be as productive and innovative and like creating the cutting edge of, of intellectual work forever right there's a point at which you know you've you've said some of the best stuff that you've said mm. with peterson i think that he's in an interesting place because you know i think that he really deserved to be much more well known before he became famous mm. and then he probably doesn't deserve to be quite as well known as he is now <laughs> and 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 so we went from like an intellectual whose work really, really deserved to be much more broadly consumed to a political figure who, you know, like I was, I was listening to him on Joe Rogan. They're talking about climate change and it was the dumbest thing I've ever heard him say. Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 That he was going off on climate change. And even a, yeah, I remember that. I was like, it was yeah. totally incoherent. It was yeah. utter, <laughs> it was utter nonsense. Right. And I'm not like, I'm not like a huge, like, climate alarmist guy. It was just like the way that he was presenting that argument was, was absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's a certain contrarianism in his character and I recognize it. It's in me too. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you're, you're looking for where the mainstream narrative is wrong mm -hmm. and that, that can be really valuable, but there's a point at which it can become its own, its own, um, trap. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen this happen to people over and over again. Like myself, I was a mainstream left-wing person um, up until like 2008. There's a point at which it was like, I feel like the people on that side are lying to me about really important issues. Okay. So what do you do? Do you go and like figure out your answers to everything yourself? Like that's hard. That's really cognitively expensive. But there's these people over here who are selling a perfectly good off-the-shelf worldview that happens to not be false along the, the lines of, mm -hmm. of what you've already discovered is false, right? So it's like, oh, they're telling me the truth about this thing that I've discovered is important to me, or at least what I perceive as the truth. So I'm like, okay, they're the truth tellers. But probably not. They're probably lying to you on a bunch of other dimensions too. <laughs> so it's like... Everyone wants an easily adopted off the shelf worldview, mm. but you don't good good worldview attunement, in my opinion, until you invest in like a bespoke worldview. I hope that that analogy makes sense to people. Like you gotta, 
you got to figure a lot of this stuff out.